We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. I'm Kel Dansby. And I'm Andreas Hale. And this is now known as the Hangover episode, because yesterday was my birthday, and it got real. Yeah, so, let's, let's talk about that. What did you do for your birthday, man? Yo, so um, I was just trying to play it cool. I was like, all right, cool, I'm going to just work, I'm going to write a little bit. Uh, but my boys decided to come through. We had like a little mini barbecue at like the apartment complex pool where I live, and it got way out of control. There's just way too much drinks, liquor. We were going to record this podcast from our home, the Las Vegas Fight Shop. I can't even make it there. It's just all bad, man, all bad. So we got to do it via Skype. And uh, I pride myself out of bed for you guys, the listeners. Because if not, I would be sleeping right now with like three Tylenol, and I'd be sleeping in sunglasses. <laughs> well, it sounds like you had a good time. So, you know, everybody that listens to the podcast, make sure you tweet Wish Kel a belated birthday. Um, the dude's getting old and washed. He's joining the club. I'm going to go to brunch. I'm getting that old. I'm going to brunch on Sunday. Wicked Spoon. It's, it's, it's official, man. I'm, I'm old like you. Well, whatever, dude. I mean, that's, that's where it's at. I've been doing brunch for, <laughs> for a long ass time. So, there's nothing old about brunch. That's the shit. <laughs> you did brunch last weekend. So I got to yeah. get on your level. Got to get on your level. Um, but in the meantime, there's a ton of stuff in combat sports that didn't stop because it was my birthday. Uh, we got to talk about all of that. We have to talk about WWE, Extreme Rules. We, that's coming up. And it, it seems like we just had a pay-per-view in WWE. We did three weeks ago. <laughs> so this seems rushed, but we have to preview it. 
and tons of stuff in boxing that has nothing to do with inside of the ring, which yeah. is crazy. So we'll get to all of that. But first, you wrote a review on Chance the Rapper and his album. Like you always do, you sit down with it for a second. After you went through it, what was your opinion on it? Well, here, here's the funny thing. When I first listened to it, I was like, all right, this is good. The third time I listened to it, I was like, I don't know if I really like this. Because I, what I was doing is I was listening to it while I was doing other things. So I wasn't, I wasn't uh, cognizant of the, the theme that was in the album. It was because it was like a true gospel rap album, like for Christian sinners. That's what I feel like. like <laughs> bad people are going to say stuff about it, but it really is about a, a gospel rap album for those who go to church on Sunday, but party hard on Saturday night. But they still praise God, but it's like, dude, you still make mistakes. And that's what Chance the Rapper does. Like, it's just a blessing for him to get out of Chicago. So by like, this, like the eighth or ninth time I listened to it, I, I, I liked it because I liked, I liked what, it was, what it represented. I felt like it was a big step for his career. It was still flawed. Like, there's still too many guests on it. There's still, like, I, you know, other people really like that song, Smoke Break with Future. I feel like it's kind of out of place on the album. But It's one of my but, least favorite on the album. Yeah, like, you know, I felt like the joint mixtape is good as a standalone joint, but I felt like it didn't need uh, Yachty and uh, Young Thug on the same song. Like, they could have did a remix. Like, I felt like we needed more chance on the album. Okay. But it's, aside from that, I thought it was a really good album. I, thought, I think it's a, a good step up in progression. It felt like he's doing something in, in a similar fashion that Beyonce and Kendrick Lamar are doing, is that they're doing something that's not your typical rap album, that they're doing something a little bit different. Um, and then, it, you know, it, I just felt like it was a, like this extension of Kanye's ultralight beam. Like, it makes me wonder, you know, was the ultralight beam kind of get stolen from Chance? You know what I'm saying? Because, like, this is what Chance does, and Kanye is known for hijacking everything these days. I mean, <laughs> shit, he hijacked Panda. You know what I'm saying? So, all in all, I thought it was a great album. I think Chance is, a, I think he's one of the, the most unique talents in hip-hop right now. Um, you know, it's it, it like I said, it, it's still flawed. It still has I still have some minor issues with it, but it's one of the better albums. It's one of the better out hip hop albums this year, and it's one that didn't disappoint me. No, definitely, I agree. Um, to me, it felt a lot like Kanye's college dropout, right? Where it was like, you know what, you're good, and your production is high quality, but we're gonna just put this full of guest appearances, just in case, uh, just so other people like it and give you the credibility that you need. And Chance didn't need it, in my opinion, you know. Um, but I guess for the casual fans, they'll see a future on there. They'll see Young Thug, and they'll be like, okay, let me check this out. So it had that same college dropout feel, the introduction to the industry, kind of. Um, I like the album. I, I still play it. The replay value is super high on it. I like songs like Mixtape. Um no problem. All, all that, even with the crazy guest appearances, it, it still has a great flow to me. The gospel theme is throughout. I, I personally, I'm of the opinion that Kanye heard it and was just like, yo, I need this for my album. And yeah. kind of, you know, but Chance in. And that's why we see Chance's influence on Ultralight Beam and Waves. And, you know, Kanye had Chance in there when they were mastering the album. Because Chance had this sound. So yeah. there's no, there's no hiding that Kanye was like okay I need this sound so I need you yeah you know you like that on the album I've been playing juke jam to death like that, that it's joint. dope right <laughs> man juke jam like Chance is just he's just really dope and, it, and it's all self-contained you know he's independent he's not signed to anybody I mean that's obviously what no problems about 
Um, he's getting the guests that he wants to get. He's making the money that he wants to make, and he made the album that he wanted to do. Um, with that being said, yeah, I just wish that it was a little lighter on the guests, you know. Yeah. And I wish Grown Ass Kid made the album too. Uh, I know that that uh, got got pushed to the side because um, somebody leaked it or whatever the hell happened. Um, but all in all, it's a great album. It kind of sucks that he released it for free because the whole Grammy thing, like it can't be nominated. Um, and there's this big dispute over whether you know free music should or shouldn't. I'm of the mindset that if it's not barcoded, um, it doesn't because you can't prove that it's gone through the proper proper clearances for samples, yeah. then it can't get nominated. And, and because like if I nominate a song and then some dude comes along and was like, well, I produced that song, then it's like you got this whole big schmage of bullshit trying to you know to figure out who the awards go to. But um, if it was if it could be nominated for a Grammy, it's the it's probably the best hip hop album. Well, it is the best hip hop album this year. You know, it's better than Drake's album. Um, better than else? Kanye's. Um, oh, way better than Kanye's album. Kanye's just just nonsense to me. That's no, just, just noise. It's the best hip hop album of the year, and it like you said, it's gonna come down to it. I don't know if he is going to be the benchmark for changing that rule. Uh, I don't know if you can. Like Juke Jam sampled R. Kelly. I don't know if R. Kelly is just giving away clearances. You know. Nah, it's Chicago, though. It <laughs> is Chicago. Chicago can't stick together. So, I mean, we just never know, though. So, we'll, we'll see when it comes down to it. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> and yeah, it chances, is. you know, breaking, breaking the mold and the model of what hip-hop artists have to do today. And being a mainstream artist. And taking that mixtape grind-type feel and bringing it to the masses. So, he, he got paid. That's what it counts. So well, yeah, he's even definitely if, getting paid. Either even way, if they give I Kanye mean, the Grammy. Chance is going to get one anyway, so it is what it is. Man, I hope if Kanye wins that Grammy, I'll be disgusted. Life of Pablo, not a Grammy award-winning album. It was different, and I think they just want to give it to something different. They're not going to give it to Drake. Um, no. Something else has got to come out. We're only halfway through the year. Yeah, I was about to say unless something better comes out, I don't see it. But I don't see anything necessarily topping this Chance album. Well. I really like the Royce album, but they're not going to give it to a rapper like Royce, sadly. Nah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's the only thing close to this Chance album, I think, as far as hip-hop so far this year. Yeah, they, I mean, like I said, this is like, for me, this is the year in R&B. Like, I'm, R&B, like, alternative, like, like Kei Chinata's album, I, I, I keep talking about it. That's like my fate, one of my favorite projects this year. The, the Division album is dope. It's like, hip-hop has just kind of been, like, Beyonce's going to win the, the Grammy. Let's... I mean, duh. But, Unless you know. Unless Taylor Swift drops something. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's true. That's true. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm interested in the way the rest of this year in hip-hop plays out because we've had a lot of big releases in the first half of 2016. Um, Schoolboy Q is on the way. I'm hearing Ab Solo's on the way, so we got some TDE stuff coming. You know, there's rumors about a Jay-Z album. It, it's been real quiet from the Childish Gambino side of things, which leads me to believe that we might hear something before the end of the year. Um, Gambino's so weird. He dropped both his last albums in December, yeah, which is like a dead month usually in hip hop or in right. music in general. And he loves dropping music in December. Uh, Chance does a lot of his, you know, mastering and production. So Chance was busy on his album. I, I don't even know if we see Gambino this year. No, I don't know. I don't know. We still had a long way to go, and it's like we we kind of blown our load with all these releases this year at the top of the year. So we'll see what happens. So let's talk about combat sports. Where are we starting? Okay, we got to start. Oh, man, there's so many like weird angles to take. Your boy Adrian Broner was a little bit active this week. 
And I guess if you want to call it that, I mean, the guy is not setting up fights, but his name is in the news cycle. Um, let's start with Canelo, though. Canelo yeah. Triple G, because that's the hot topic. Everyone was waiting for it. Everyone thought that the fight was going to happen, and Canelo said, I'll fight him at 160. Eh, not so much. No. I, I mean, yeah, Canelo announced yesterday that, well, him and Oscar De La Hoya, because I, I, need to, I need to be very clear. Whatever Canelo says doesn't matter. It's really <laughs> what Oscar De La Hoya says. So Oscar De La Hoya basically said, the WBC middleweight title, we don't need it. It's hindering our negotiation process, so we're going to drop it, and now Gennady Golovkin is the WBC middleweight champion. So he's, only, he's almost unified all the titles. It's weird, because um, I thought he would have to fight to get a vacant title, but they well, just no, gave it to him. Well, he's the interim. So he's, he's the interim champion, and he's done what he had to do to collect the interim title. So there's nobody for him to fight for the WBC title. So now, now he's just, you know, the w, he's number one contender. So now he's, he's full-blown WBC champ. So what, what does this mean? Uh, you know, everybody was like, oh, I wanted to see it in September. I never for one minute thought this fight was happening in September. It just, I, I don't see, and here's the reason. People, it's not just the negotiation process. It's the fact that Canelo has not fought a single person that, that is close to 160 pounds. He needs one fight before he fights somebody that hits like Triple G at 160. So if this fight is going to happen, even if it's going to happen at a catch weight of 158, then you've got to fight somebody bigger. You can't fight Amir Khan. That's not going to get you ready for Triple G. So I just don't see that fight happening until next year, uh, either May or September. No, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I called it for next May. I thought it was going to be a huge fight. To me, I don't know who Canelo faces now, though. Like, you're, you're going after a body type at this point to just give him rounds against someone as big as Gennady. But who? We, we have fights this weekend that we'll talk about. Um, 154 has some good fighters, but do you put him against the Charlo brother? Do you really think he's that good or that these guys can't expose him? Because, honestly, Amir Khan had pretty good success for four rounds. Well, that's expected. I mean, that, that's the trouble here is that Canelo needs – yeah, he needs a body type. He's like Andre Ward right now. Andre Ward's preparing for Sergey Kovalev, so he's got to fight a certain body type to get him up to light heavyweight. Canelo's got to do the same. The problem is, is that people treat Canelo like he's Floyd Mayweather and can just kind of beat anybody they put in front of him except for Triple G. The problem is, is that a lot of these guys, like Lara, who we'll talk about, and the Charlo brothers – you know, you have Danny Jacobs at 160. A lot of these guys would be problems for Canelo Alvarez. So I don't know who you put him in there with. And you can't put him in there with another blown up uh, welterweight. And furthermore, everybody keeps saying Triple G's ran out of opponents. Well, the same thing has happened with Canelo. Who else is he going to fight? Miguel Cotto again? Does anybody really want to see that? I mean, the fact of the matter is the pay-per-view kind of bombed in terms of it did sub 500,000 buys. So... He's not as big as a star as he's trying to make himself out to be. He may be the biggest star in boxing right now, but it's not like he's got a big lead like Floyd Mayweather had on the rest of the industry, so, or Manny Pacquiao for that matter. So when Canelo's negotiating power is a little bit lost here because he wants to negotiate weight and money. Like He wants like 65-35 from what I've heard and 70-30. Uh, if Gennady's going to concede, he's, he, can, he can only concede one thing or the other. I mean, he's still knocking people out. He's still the champion. He doesn't necessarily need Canelo Alvarez. He wants a payday, but he doesn't need Canelo. There's a lot of people that could whoop Canelo's ass right now, perhaps, possibly. L like I said, I, I thought Canelo beat Lara in the first fight, but I could easily see. I wouldn't complain if Lara would have won that fight, and that's, and that's at 154. You know, so 
I don't know who he fights. We'll see what happens this weekend with the Charlo brothers and, and uh, Laura fighting uh, Venice Matarosian this weekend. Maybe one of them will fight Canelo. I just, I just, uh, Golden Boy just needs to be honest with themselves and say, you know what, we're just not ready for this guy. He's going to kill us. Yeah, I mean, you don't want him to fight Laura again. A lot of people thought he lost to Laura the first time. So that's, that's, it's just bad matchups for him. And now he's a pay-per-view only guy. So you have to worry about selling fights. So you yeah. need someone with a name, but like you said, he's not unbeatable. He's not overly dominant like Floyd was. The guy gets hit, and he still can't cut off the ring. So you, no. take, you take the chance of him losing a decision uh, on the way to this Triple G fight, which is losing a lot of money. Or you put yep. him in there against you know, a tuna can no one's ever heard of, who is and just that, 160 and maybe ranked like the eighth fighter in the world or something. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the route I'm figuring that they're going to go. They're just going to find, you know, junior middleweights or, you know, I don't even know what, like, they, I feel like they got to fight a middleweight, but I think they're just so hell-bent on not fighting Triple G at 160 that they're going to just fight another junior middleweight. But it's just not going to be a name. And I don't know who it's going to be. It's going to have to be a light-punching non-threat. Or, well, it can't even be a light-punching non-threat because if he's a boxer, he'll still give Canelo some problems. I, you know, I've said this before. People are sold on Canelo. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm just not. I don't think he's the biggest, you know, the name. He's the best boxer. Like, come on, man. He's, he's good. Don't get me wrong. He's going to be fun to watch for a while. But the best boxer, like, you know, one of the pound for pound best, the biggest star, he's only a big star because he's from Mexico. And he has a certain look to him. Yeah, but, and he makes money. That's, so he's the number one star in boxing. He's not the number one fighter. No. And, 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 you know, conventional wisdom if for anybody in the boxing community says that Triple Z is going to beat that ass. So it's like it's not like we're getting into it with this Floyd Manny thing where you know the general public had a toss up and some people said Manny and the smart people said Floyd. A lot of people are saying that Triple G is going to just beat the shit out of Canelo Alvarez. So you know some people just are like you know did you see the knockout against Amir Khan? I mean I could have knocked out Amir Khan. Let's just be honest here. It's just not that big of a deal. So I, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I just wish he didn't hold the WBC title hostage because that's what started this whole shit to begin with. If he would have just left the WBC title, just vacated it from the jump when he won it against Miguel Cotto at 155 and just was like, I'm going to fight junior middleweight, so I'm going to work my way up, we wouldn't even be talking about this today. Yeah, but he the fact put the that, pressure on himself. Yeah, they did it to themselves. They have only, the only people they can blame is themselves for this. No, that's definitely true. So I'm, it, it's interesting to see where he goes from here. Uh, Triple G will be there waiting, though. We know that. No one's going to beat Triple G at 160. No. He's not going to take the L. He's going to stay active. He's going to keep knocking people out. And with every knockout, they're just going to ask Canelo, Canelo, Canelo. And now the pressure's on Golden Boy. Yeah, they got to make a move. They got to make a move. So let's, I guess we could briefly talk about this weekend's fight. Before we talk about Adrian Broner's dumbass, but let's talk about this weekend's fight because you got Arisandi Lara and Vanessa Matarosian are having a rematch from a fight a few years ago that ended in a draw that... Like most fights, people thought Arisani Lara won. Um, Jamal Charlo is fighting Austin Trout. Trout, who gave Canelo eh, a little bit of trouble. Trout beat Cotto. Um, big litmus test for Jamal Charlo. And his brother Jamel Charlo is fighting John Jackson uh, to try to claim a world title, too. So you have twin brothers claiming world titles. The question is, are you interested in these fights this weekend? I am. I, I think it's a good lineup of fights. I like that they put all three of them together. Mm-hmm. You're you're getting you know your viewers money's worth, but it's free. But but viewers are gonna get really good fights. Um, the Lara fight, we know what Lara is. He's not a huge output guy. He dances around people. He tries to make them look silly. So for casual fans, that's not gonna be like the most exciting fight. But 
the Charlo brothers are going to bring it. So those are really good fights. Uh, Mayweather has some fighters on the undercard that are really good. So it, it's top to bottom, it's a really good card. It's one of the better put together cards this year. And three title fights, you, you just don't see that every day. No, so no. That's, that's going to be exciting. It's well put together. It's at the Cosmo, great venue. Um, it's a place that's pretty easy to pack. So the crowd is going to be on top of the fights. They're going to have, you know, some nice noise in there. Uh, I'm excited to see it. Uh, I expect, you know, all three of the headlining guys to win. Even though Trout's not not an easy out by any means. But it, it's a good test. And, you know, the Charlo brothers are ready. And yeah. if Canelo wants to make a home at 154, he's going to have to fight both of them sooner or later. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that happens. To me, Canelo only fights guys at 147. Yeah, it's it's weird, man. I mean, you know, aside from you know, the big mistake was fighting Arisandi Lara, which kind of exposed him. And Lara comes from the Cuban boxing school of boredom. So, like, Guillermo Rigondeaux comes from there. And anybody who watches amateur boxing knows Guillermo Rigondeaux is amazing, a phenomenal athlete. But his fights are boring as shit. Lara is just not necessarily <laughs> fun to watch either. Um, you know, so, like, I'm looking forward to the fights. I'm really interested in seeing how Jamal Charlo looks. I talked to Lara yesterday, and, and Lara told me uh, – through a translator, that he wants Triple G next. And I was like, word? More than Canelo? He was like, yeah, I want to fight Triple G at 160. And he thinks that Canelo's a joke for not fighting him at 160. So more, more respect to... will do it. Yeah, like, yeah. He, guy fights anyone. He doesn't care. I mean, he has nothing to lose. He's not like he's a big name. He's 22-2-2. Two, two. He's had draws against Marta Rossian and Carlos Molina. And the Carlos Molina fight is a fight I actually thought he lost. Um, he lost to Paul Williams by a majority decision, and he lost to Canelo by a split draw. This dude doesn't lose unanimous decisions. Like, everything has some bit of controversy because it's hard to figure out what the hell he's doing in the ring it's for the judges. It's hard to hit him, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's hard to hit him clean, so it's very hard to, like, you know, just outright beat the guy. Yeah, he's, he's just a tough out for anybody. Uh, he's hard to hurt. Um, you know, he can catch it with a good one, too. You know, he, he knocked out Alfredo Angulo, um, Jan Zavik, who he beat in his last fight. You know, it's, Lara, Lara is one of those guys who's really impressive, but like the general public doesn't know him. And you put him in the ring with anybody, and he's liable to beat any one of them on any given night. See, I think Triple G beats him if they fight eventually, but I'm not sure if he knocks him out. I feel like Lara is like that awkward guy that can take him 12 rounds. Yeah, and I think that's what makes that fight really intriguing. Um, and I think that's what you got to kind of do is maybe, maybe, you know, if you're going to concede weight, Maybe you fight Lara at 158, just to prove a point. Yeah. You fight him at 158, you fight him in August. Uh, well, shit, August is too soon. Um, maybe you fight him in November. But I think, I think Gennady's contractually obligated to fight on HBO in August. But if there's some way you could figure out to fight Lara, maybe if you don't fight Canelo until next September, you fight him at 158, basically tell Canelo, look what I did to this guy at 158. If you knock him out, if you beat the shit out of him, whatever it is. But it's a tough test either way it goes. Lara's just no joke. He's just not a guy that's going to linger around for you to beat up on. Um, so that's, that's kind of a necessary fight, I feel. I mean, Lara's willing to go up to 160 to fight for those middleweight titles, so maybe it just happens there. But I think that's, that's the route that these guys should go because people are clamoring for a Danny Jacobs and Gennady fight. That's not happening. Uh, Jacobs is fighting in September. Gennady's fighting in August. That's just not going to happen right now. Um, and then you got the whole Heyman thing, whatever. HBO. <laughs> There's just a lot of red tape you got to get through. But... It, this this card this week is interesting. We got to see what the twin brother Charlos do. They, they, these guys are nice. If you haven't watched the fight before, 
Um, especially Jamal because he's been cranking it up and he just wants to knock everybody out now to prove a point. Yeah, Jamal, I mean, he's definitely taken off. He separated himself, you know, and he's kind of the the front man for the brothers. And he has the major title and, you know, he's defending that. So he's a name to watch. You know, Jamal, he, he's good, just not as aggressive as yeah. you hinted towards. And people love the knockout. So it the Charlo brothers and, and Trout gets hit a lot. So we saw that with the Canelo fight. So it, it's possible. It's there for him if he wants. And it's a good stage to make his presence felt. Yeah, indeed. So let's talk about your boy Adrian Broner. <laughs> oh, man. Broner wants this Mayweather 50 money. That's what he wants. He wants that come out of retirement money. And he's dropping mixtape disses to TMT. He filmed a video. Yeah. Like, it's like we're back in 99. Like the, the diss song alone isn't enough. He no. needed the video to stunt on him properly. Yo, the, the song is called Slammer. First and foremost. About, <laughs> and it's over the panda instrumental. And he's rapping about getting out of the slammer. And then he just talks about whatever. Um, man, he's embarrassing. Like when, I wa- <laughs> like when I watch him, I'm legit to the point where I'm just embarrassed. He's embarrassing himself because in- I just feel like, you know, he's going to be so washed in like 15 years. And they're like just completely out of boxing, broke. You know, I just don't see this guy doing the right thing. And then when he, you know... Shouldn't you be working on your, your, your skills in the ring? Why are you dropping? Like, you think Floyd Mayweather's listening to you right now? It's like, yo, he dissed me. Time to fight. Like, I don't think it works like that. No, I mean, <laughs> it's the only thing he has at this point, right? Rapping? Oh, it's, my God. It's his only shot. So you, you got to use what you got. Um, his rapping skills aren't great. So, I mean, but now, nowadays he's making trap music. You don't have to be the best rapper in the world to make trap music. You just need good beats. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, hijack the panda joint, whatever. Who who hasn't hijacked that now? So um, Mayweather, if Mayweather has to sell, who sells more than Broner though? Like, I mean, just, just honestly, like as a draw. Is this a segue into our next our next topic? <laughs> who who's gonna draw one, more than Broner? One and- one person will draw more than Broner, uh-huh. and. Uh, and they're continuously talking about that. So but the only other person in boxing, before we start talking about the notorious one, in boxing, obviously there's Manny Pacquiao. I will draw more than Adrian Broner. The Adrian Broner story, story is a little bit more thick with narratives that you can, you know, spring off of, and like the twenty four seven would be intriguing, and what have you. But you know, in the ring, this is a wash. You know, it's, it's a one sided ass whooping, very similar to Andre Berto. He I may mean, try to knock him out. I mean, that's what he thought about Andre Berto, so. True. It's, it's Floyd. Um, just with Broner, again, I just feel like he's cannon fodder for another guy, you know, at welterweight, you know, or 140 for that matter. You know, I'd love to see Terrence Crawford get his hands on him or Errol Spence or any of the other guys. He's just, he's just not that good. He's good, but he's not that good. He's the perfect jobber because yeah. he has enough heat that he'll draw eyes to someone who's truly talented. He's like Ty Dillinger in NXT. He really you know what I'm is. You're not, you know, perfect tan. He's got a gimmick. <laughs> He's got a gimmick that works, and people come to see him. But you kind of, at this point, you're like, well, if he wins, we'll be surprised, but we expect him to lose. Yeah, you go into every big fight expecting him to lose. Uh, let's. Hey, we had to transition, and we have to talk about Mayweather and McGregor. It's not going away. No, it's not going away, man. And it's 
the more it lingers, like, in my mind, it's still ridiculous. But the more it lingers, it's like, are they really going to let this happen? Because uh, Dana hasn't announced UFC 202 yet, which I would expect Mayweather to be on here in Vegas. Because uh, that's, you know, the past couple of years have been the Demetrius Johnson card on, oh, yeah, on yeah. Labor Day. Um, so we'd have the fight here on Labor Day. And if you want Connor to fight in Vegas, it'd be like the perfect spot for him. So him, Nate, put it at 202, it'd be like the easiest negotiation ever. But Dana hasn't announced that. So it's like, are they actually considering letting Connor box? And like I pointed out from the get-go, the UFC has set weird precedents before. Where, whether it's letting Ronda Rousey, uh, you know, wrestle in the WWE and, you know, a couple spots or letting people go into grappling tournaments while they're under contract and, and, you know, just do rolling around and grappling because that's happened under UFC contract. So will they bend the rules for a boxing match as long as they get a cut, of course? Yeah, absolutely not. Like, it's not, it's not going to happen. Here's, here's why. You know, like, we, like we've had these conversations and people have talked about it. The UFC is not giving up any ground to Floyd Mayweather. You have, there are so many things that you have to consider, aside from the fact that it's going to be a boxing match on Mayweather's terms, Mayweather promoter card where the UFC only gets a cut, versus the UFC getting 100% of Conor McGregor. More importantly, venue, uh, pay-per-view, because you know, Floyd Mayweather's a Showtime guy. Uh, UFC's a Fox, a Fox sport. There's just there are for so time being. yeah, but there are just so many things that are going to prevent this stupid ass fight from ever happening. <laughs> you know, because it's dumb. It's not even intriguing. Like anybody who's like, "Ooh, I want to see this fight," you're stupid. Because like, if it's that, a boxing match, Floyd Mayweather wins. If it's an MMA match, Conor McGregor wins. It's really that simple. There's it, really nothing else to it. Does it break the Manny Pacquiao Floyd record for pay per view buys? Oh man, it it Mayweather it, said four point six is what they ended up at. <sighs> It could. I mean, disgustingly, it could because it's it's a circus. I put it up there with Ali Anoki, uh, Thunder Lips versus Rocky, and James Tony and Randy Couture. Somewhere in in between all of those things. <laughs> um, it's just it's really it's a disgusting matchup that makes zero sense. They're like everything that you're going to pay for that fight, you're actually going to get to see for free because all the buildup is what you're really wanting to see. You don't want to see the fight, because you don't care about the fight. You know what's going to happen. If you don't know what's going to happen, you shouldn't be watching combat sports. But this thing's just not going to happen. There's just no reason. Like, I just can't see Dana saying, yeah, um, Floyd, we're going to let you dictate the terms and take the lion's share of the money with our fighter, because you're going to make a ton of money off of Conor McGregor. It, Floyd you know, needs Conor more than anything. Yeah, I mean, in this in this sense, if, if Floyd doesn't fight Manny Pacquiao, he's he's gonna have to fight Conor McGregor, which means the UFC has leverage. So it's not gonna be like a hundred million to seven million split. Like Dane is not going for that, and the Fertitas aren't going for that. This is gonna have to be something that's gonna be completely unprecedented in terms of how to make a deal and negotiating. Like, they're not gonna let Conor out of his contract to have a fight. That's stupid. There's just so many things here that are really dumb that I just can't. That, that this will never happen and anybody in combat sports should know better like people just kind of going along with this narrative like well what if and you know the ufc will let him out of his con dude it's not gonna happen and and dana would be a fool to let kind of fight in a boxing match on top of that like why get your your, your top attraction slaughtered in a boxing match it it has to be for the money you'd have to say 
you know what, Floyd, you make 100 mil and we'll make 50 mil, yet you're picking up all of the expenses. Because that's one thing. They don't have to generate any expenses. And they would just act as Connor's promoter. So they'd be Bob Arum in that case. So we're getting 50. Connor, you're getting 20 of this 50. It's more than you've ever made with us anyway. Shut up and take this money. And we get 30 mil for doing nothing. I mean, they're going to have to do something. I mean, like, again, you have site fees, you have tele, you have TV negotiations, you have pay-per-view contracts you have Showtime to negotiate. Showtime has to handle it all. Like, but, the, but the UFC is not going to sit idly by and watch Conor McGregor, I mean, Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, and Showtime make a shitload of money. They're just not going to sit there and watch it happen. Because they could do it themselves. Because the UFC, let's be honest, when it comes to combat sports, the UFC has got great promotional packages. They do everything. But the reason, the thing is, boxing is the sport that is allowed to go outside of the, the realms of these rules because everything's independent. Bob Arum, Floyd Mayweather. The UFC is the UFC, and it's a big conglomerate of people. And all these fighters are under one umbrella, whereas boxing is like everybody's under everybody's umbrella. And you got a lot of things. There's just a lot of moving parts in boxing where the UFC, they, they move together. And I just, it's just, this shit ain't going to happen. And if it does happen, <laughs> it's just stupid. Like, there's no reason for this fight to ever happen. It, it proves nothing. I can't wrap my mind around it actually happening. I mean, it's one of the things that until it's signed on the dotted line, I will never believe it. And even then, I won't believe it. Like, uh, we'll, we'll be in the arena covering it, and I'll be like, yo, I can't believe this shit is actually happening. Yeah, and I'll be like, this is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever participated <laughs> in. Because it's just, it's so that's the title. That's the title of your preview article. <laughs> yeah, it's the dumb. Yo, it's so stupid. Because we'll talk about this now. Like, for Yahoo, I, I wrote the story about Conor McGregor being unimpressive in his boxing sparring. Like, when you watch Conor McGregor in his boxing, like, he's, he's boxing with Chris Van Heerden, who Chris Van Heerden got ran over by one-way traffic against Errol Spence. And Van Heerden is just popping McGregor with a jab. McGregor's trying to use his wide karate stance, which means nothing in boxing because your legs are, you can't use them. So there, there's nothing to do there. Like, McGregor, he's, he's just not a boxer, dude. Like, how... How can you possibly justify this as being anything that's competitive? All McGregor would have is that left hand and his claim that no one at 145 you know, pounds, which 147, could take the left hand. Right, but you got to hit Mayweather with it for one. And for two, you're wearing bigger gloves, dude. You're not wearing these little-ass UFC gloves. You're wearing boxing gloves. Mayweather can take that punch. I guarantee you. Because he will never get hit clean by it. I was about to say, yeah, he'll him. see it coming. Yeah, like who can't see that coming? Because in MMA, it's just so different. There's so many things you got to worry about. Boxing is one particular discipline that Floyd Mayweather is the master of. It's not like Conor McGregor's fighting Adrian Broner, and Adrian Broner would still watch him. I was about to say, would you give him a shot against Broner? No, he's not, he can't beat any elite boxer. He can't beat any top boxer. He can't beat any former world champion in boxing. He's, he's an MMA guy. Come on, that's like saying Nick Diaz is going to... like. Kimbo Slice is going to come in here and just become world champion. Like, you know, come on. Nick Diaz, like people are like, he's a great boxer. In MMA, he's a great boxer. But in boxing, the sweet science, he gets washed. Oh, he gets washed every time. Yeah. So it's like, come on, you guys. Like, really, what are we, what are we really intrigued by? We're intrigued by the trash talk. Just don't pay for the pay-per-view and just watch them talk shit to each other. That's yeah. all you're paying. That's all you're going to see. And people just want to see if Floyd can. Well, they just want to see Floyd at this point. To be honest, like they're gonna pay for whoever he fights for fifty. Well, I mean, 
I wouldn't necessarily say that because, you know, his retirement fight with Berto did nothing. So it's not anybody. He has to fight somebody. Well, coming back, I think, is just going to draw more intrigue than that stupid Berto fight. Though. I, I don't like I don't know, man, because like he left before and he came back to fight uh, Juan Manuel Marquez. And he left longer than if he was, you know, than this retirement, which hasn't even been a year yet. This is like typical Mayweather off time. This isn't like a real comeback. Like if he were to fight before the end of the year, let's just say he fought Conor McGregor in November, he would only been out of the ring for a year. He's done that numerous times before. Is that a really a comeback? We haven't had time to miss Floyd Mayweather. I don't think anybody really, really misses him. The, the, the concept of this fight is more significant than the actual fight itself. No, that's, that's very true. Um, and I know you're not high on the opinion of you know, the 50-0 record and it being historical. You bring this up all the time. <laughs> like, like a lot of people went 50 and 0. Like, all right. But yeah, who cares? Rocky Marciano went 49 and 0, and Floyd Mayweather goes 50 and 0. So what? Joe Calzaghe? I mean, the dude, they're like, uh, who they'll say our Charles Senior went, what, like 89 and 0 if, before he lost? These, this 50 and 0, just, it just sounds nice. But at the end of the day, when we go back and look at Floyd Mayweather's career, 49 and 0, 50 and 0, it doesn't really change where he ranks in the, the top pound for pound fighters in history, especially if he fights Conor McGregor. It means absolutely nothing. It's just a round number. So what? Marciano's 49 and 0, and like nobody was like, yo, Rocky, go get 50 and 0. Nobody gave a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's true. But Mayweather's going to paint the narrative. Yeah, He's going to use this press machine and you know, put out all these videos and everything. He already trademarked the damn things. It's going to be a major selling point in the fight. Yeah, this it's just it's all it's just stupid. It's all of this is dumb, and it, like it's just it it just doesn't make any sense to me that so many like all these outlets are running with the story that it could possibly happen, and there's just no intrigue. It's just not intriguing. And I don't think like anybody in MMA is like this is stupid. Like. If Conor's going to fight, why wouldn't he fight him in an MMA match? Well, because Floyd will get killed in an MMA match. Yeah, but Floyd doesn't want to lose this fight. No, of course not. This, like, this is, and Floyd's going to buy into the hype because it keeps him and, and Mayweather promotions relevant. Because he shows up on every Showtime event that his card, like, you know, when Tabidi just fought this past weekend, people tune in. Oh, shit, it's Floyd Mayweather. I guess I'll watch Tabidi fight too. Like, you know, like, he'll probably show up this weekend and talk about it again. You know, just to draw interest to the cards that he's promoting. Because this is a Mayweather Promotions card. You know, they have the, another card in a few weeks that they're promoting. Um, that Tank's fighting on. And uh, I forgot that. Maybe Jalen. I think Jalen on Love is on that card, too. But it's just, it's just keeping Mayweather out there. And I, it, Floyd has to do nothing. Like, this was... He did nothing to generate this interest. This just came out of the blue. And he's just feeding into the monster. Because there's nothing better to do. He's bored. And he's rich. No, that's that's very true. Uh, but you need to bring that money in. And I think he's noticing that. Like, man, I, I really can't make $100 million in 60 minutes anywhere else in life. No, that's, I mean, it, for, a, for a businessman, Floyd Mayweather, if, if this fight was offered to you and they was like, hey, we're going to pay you $200 million to beat up a guy that we know you can beat, of course you should take the fight. I'm not saying that Floyd Mayweather is, is a businessman first. He's gonna, he'll take the fight. He's not an idiot. Everybody else around is an idiot. Not him. Because he's going to be the one who gets rich off of this. Nobody else. I mean, Conor will get kind of rich. He'll make a few million. He'll get beat up in the process. But Floyd Mayweather is collecting a check. And that's all he's doing. 
everybody else is the one scrambling around trying to drum up interest in a fight that really is not even competitive. No, that's true. And we'll see if the narrative dies down. If, you know, Dana uh, reports are him and Connor met today. Him um, and yesterday. Yesterday, excuse me, Wednesday um, for two hours. So we'll see. We'll see what they talked about. And I'll be surprised if it's not Nate Diaz next. No, it'll definitely be Nate. It's just a matter of when's this fight going to be. I don't think they want to wait until November for the MSG card. So they need to go ahead and do something sooner than later uh, to pull that together. Um, so I guess we should go on to, to, to UFC talk now. Yes, um, tons of stuff. Uh, Mighty Mouse just got another fight, title defense, against Wilson Reyes. Big deal. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> going to run through him, but it's the record-setting fight, if I'm not mistaken, right? John he's Jones' cl- title defense he's, record? He's closing in. He's getting close. He's, he's trying to break Anderson's record of consecutive uh, title defenses. Um, John doesn't have that? Oh, no, this last one didn't count, did it? No, no, he wasn't the champ. Interim belt. All right, gotcha. Yeah. So, eh, I mean, Wilson Reyes is just another guy that DJ is going to beat up. DJ is, I'm going to talk about this in the context of Cyborg and Ronda Rousey in a minute, but it's just another fight for him. And he's, he's, and people are asking him to move up. And I've said this before, I don't feel like he has to move up. I feel like, you know, he's come, he's lost at Bantamweight because he was smaller. So he's going to fight where he's comfortable at, which is flyweight. And it's going to be up to the UFC to for this next the Ultimate Fighter where they go and try to bring in all these guys from across the world to come beat Demetrius Johnson because nobody can beat him at flyweight. <laughs> and we'll see. We'll see if they can just pull someone out of the blue that has that talent that we don't even know about yet. But it's hard to think that this guy, who is arguably one of the best of all time, is going to lose to someone pulled off of a television show. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they're going to grab probably grab guys from 1FC, Legacy, everywhere to try to find somebody who's going to be worthy to get their ass kicked by Demetrius Johnson. But the only thing that's going to be DJ right now is him getting older, falling asleep at the wheel, and, and I just don't see that happening. You know, him and Matt Hume are just, they're just, as a, as a collective, these two guys just, they're focused, you know, and then they, all they want to do is win fights. Um, and play video games. Yeah, Shout play out video to Twitch. <laughs> yeah, play video games. So let, let's uh, recap um, UFC 198 real quick. We had a, you want to do that ahead of the injuries though? Yeah, UFC injuries are just piling up at this point. They are, but let, let's talk about let's recap 198 because right. we got a new champ, Stipe yes. Miocic. Stipe brought it home to Cleveland. I predicted it. I predicted it. I wasn't a hundred percent confident. Yeah, I was say. like <laughs> I, I feel, feel like Fabricio has been so good lately that he would be tough to beat. But he, I don't know what it is with Brazilians and running them with their chin up. Okay, so on the show, I predicted Verdum third round sub. But after we recorded the show, I went and FS1 was replaying the Mark Hunt fight where Verdum actually won the belt and he was getting rocked right. all fight long. And he caught Hunt with a one knee and it ended the fight. Outside of that, Hunt dominated what two and a half rounds that they fought so i was like damn i was like you know what steve a might actually have a pretty good shot at this but i had to stick with my prediction at that point and i was like man i wish i would have watched this fight earlier in the week or you know just remembered the fight um because in my mind it was like oh well he beat mark hunt for the title so big whoop but mark hunt was whooping his ass so like when now just seeing him run in there just lawless chin up it's like okay that's the same Verdum I saw in the Mark Hunt fight, you know, getting rocked. His chin was just a lot tougher, or Stipe has one hell of a punch. 
Steve he can he can punch. I mean, you know, look what he did to Arlovsky. Look, what, I mean, Steve Emiotis is no joke on the feet. You, know, you, you don't want to stand and bang with him. He gave Junior Dos Santos when Dos Santos was peaking hell for for the the distance of that fight. So I wasn't too surprised. But is the question is is Steve Emiotis just another transitional champ? Everyone in the heavyweight division is a transitional champ. <sighs> that sucks. It's just. It, I mean, it's it's heavyweight. You're one punch away. Is there anyone that can honestly say that if he fights, um, you know, Kane next, that he won't lose? Like, Kane might just, you know, hold him down, ground and pound him for five rounds. Look, Kane is the best heavyweight in the division when he's healthy. He's just never healthy. And at sea level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got a sea level. But, you know, I, I feel like Kane is going to demolish Travis Brown at UFC 200, first and foremost. I don't think Travis has got a shot in hell unless he can catch him slipping. Oh, or, or Kane comes in with, like, staph infection or some shit, because that's what AKA does. They come in injured. But um, I, Kane, Kane will beat Stephen Miocic. But chances are Stephen is going to end up fighting Alistair Overeem next. That fight makes a hell of a lot of sense, and I'm very intrigued to see that fight. And then I feel like it's a fight that Stephen could probably win and defend the title one time before losing it. Um, yeah, but even with that, I'm not overly confident in that. You know, two strikers, one guy with one hell of a kick and knees. I don't know. Steve could get caught there, too. No, he, I mean, I, the I, obvious, he can. He I have no confidence in anyone being a long-term champ at heavyweight. I yeah. just don't. This just... And, and this... Reem, Reem has the glass jaw, so I can. I would pick Steve A, but even then, it's just like, damn. And everyone's kind of north of 30. Uh, Stipe might be the youngest in that division. Yeah, man. As far I mean, as contenders. He brought a title back to Cleveland before LeBron did. You know, kudos to him. Uh, he ended up hitting a batting practice home one. He hit a walk-off just like his punch at, in Cleveland at the Indians game. He showed up at the, uh, the, the Cavs shellacking of the Toronto Raptors in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. It's like he's having the best week ever. Oh, Stipe, yeah, definitely. He's, he's not doing, doing much firefighting this week. No. And, and, you know, and that's the thing, you know, I'm a little concerned with him saying he still wants to be a paramedic. But I guess if, it, if it's worked for you this far, you might as well just keep doing it. Um, I guess he enjoys saving lives. So and then he enjoys hurting lives, too, when he steps in the octagon. It's just we don't there's just no dominant force at heavyweight. And I don't there's just nobody's going to hold on this title for that long. Kudos to Stipe. I predicted it. Verdum will be back. Um, maybe he fights Kane next for a number one contender fight. I don't know. Who knows? But the heavyweight division, you know, it's really, it's really like you got to keep an eye on guys like Derek Lewis right now. Like, who is going to be that next guy that just comes out, comes up, you know, raging through the top ten and destroying everybody? Derek Lewis might be that guy. Definitely. But he might not be. His, His cardio is, is bad yeah. though. He's got he's got some issues. But all as we can see, every fight all it takes really is one punch. Kane Velasquez is the only guy that dogs people for five rounds. Yeah, definitely. I mean, everyone else is just looking for that one punch. And when you have that much weight behind you, that's not a bad tactic. Yeah. Um, what else was on that card, though? The, man, the, the for, Okay, yeah. Jacare demolishing Vitor Belfort, which, you know, thrust him into the number one contender spot for the middleweight title, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, um... I wasn't surprised that Jacare won. I picked Jacare to win. I was surprised in the manner in which he did it, which was ultimate and total devastation. Vitor didn't even pinch him. He just got ran over. Oh, that, yeah. 
It was, that was brutal. I don't know if he landed a punch. I don't know either, but it, it was ugly. It was yeah, it was clearly one sided. Um, I miss TRT Vitor, Vitor like so bad. Like, can we just make an exception so he and only he can be on TRT? It's just so much more exciting. The guy who like kicked Rockhold's face off, I miss that guy. Yeah, well, he's a, he's a menace to society, but you know, <laughs> Listen, you know, it's not a sport full of choir boys. No, it's not. Well, Vitor claims he's a choir boy. With his Christian rhetoric, but you know, I mean, you get yours, and, and Jack Ray is long overdue. Jack Ray should have been had a title shot, to be completely honest. Like Jack Ray is, aside from Luke Rockhold, Jack Ray, he's you know, he lost Yoel Romero in a controversial decision, but he's probably one of the most complete fighters who's only getting better. Like he is trouble for Luke Rockhold. Yeah, I feel like Dana doesn't necessarily like the strike force guys. So if, I, I feel like that too. If he doesn't have to put him in a title picture, he won't. Um, it's kind of like you know, let's build our homegrown guys first. Look how long it took for Rockhold to get a title shot. I know, and I he mean, came in as a champion. You know, we had Cormier, we had Rockhold. I mean, it was all these were all byproducts around the Rousey at the end of the day. Um, you know, and I'm, but I mean, look at it. Robbie Lawler's champ now came out of came from Strike Force. Cormier's a champ. Rockhold's a champ. Um, wait, I say Rockhold. Rockhold Cormier. Uh, you had Ronda. Like, there's Strike Force has put together a pretty impressive string of guys that just wait. They took a little while to get behind. Definitely. And, you know, so we'll kind of see Robbie Lawler, Rockhold, Cormier. Um, if Overeem was able to get the title, Overeem, all Strike Force guys. Yeah, they're, they're at least contenders. That's something you can say. Like, the Strike Force guys are at the top of these divisions. Yeah, like the UFC did the right thing with Strike Force and WC. They actually built up very well. Um, and then you have the chick from Invicta who came in and completely annihilated Leslie Smith. Oh, cyborg. So I had a bet. I was watching from a bar here in Vegas, uh, and they have no cover. Shout out to, to them. Um, so I was watching it. My boy Ron came through. He was like, all right, let's put a, let's put a drinking bet on this. I was like, okay, my prediction was three minutes. Cyborg is going to take Leslie Smith out. But I was like, I, no, I'm not confident in that. I was like, I think it could happen sooner. He was like, all right, put a time on it. I was like, you know what? Minute 30. I was like, if she finishes her and under minute 30, I'll drink an entire beer. If it goes longer than that, or excuse me, if it goes shorter than that, he had to drink. If it goes longer, I had to drink. So I, it hit the one minute mark, and Cyborg is like, Hitting her clean, but not really being super aggressive. And I'm just like, oh, man, fuck. I'm going to have to drink this whole beer. And then Cyborg went Cyborg. I mean, yeah, as expected. Do you think <laughs> the stoppage was too soon? I, I thought Leslie was just going to get pummeled. So, um, okay. No. Yeah, I think it was just inevitable. I think you're kind of saving Leslie from herself at this point. You know, she was, I'm still here. But you wouldn't have been. You would have been separated from your senses within the next 30 seconds. And you might your life would have been on you might have been on life support. Um, I'm not concerned at all with that stoppage. Uh, but the question is, is you know what do you do with Cyborg now? Well, Cyborg is going back to Invicta. She's the champion. Um, oddly enough, I think she may have the star power to force Dana's hand in creating a 145 pound division. Yep, that's exactly what I just wrote about for Sarah Dog. Yeah, like I, I think she has it. And she's and big ups to her. She's not backing down. 140 is going to be her stinking point. She's not going down to 135. She does not care. She said, if I'm going to be champion, 
Hopefully one day I'll be champion of my own division. And that's 145. I mean, If all she right. has to make a super fight, it'll be at 140. That's it. She already has a belt, and she loves the belt she has. It just, if Ron, like, Dana created this division for Ronda Rousey. And in all honesty, that was the only reason why any of these women are here today. Everybody else just came because Ronda Rousey. Um, the, even the, you, you look at the, uh, the straw weights, you know, there was no, people were like, oh, well, you know, straw weights, they're just, you know, there's no real dominant force. And then Joanna came up. Um, Cyborg is big enough to have her own division, like to create the UFC featherweight division. And people will say, well, there's not a lot of talent there. And this is why I go back to my Demetrius Johnson conversation. What are we saying about Demetrius Johnson? We created a flyweight division that he's just completely and utterly dominated since it, it, since it opened up in the UFC. Correct. So why can't Cyborg be afforded that same opportunity? More importantly, Cyborg brings something to the women's division that nobody else does. Knockout finishes. That's nobody it. Else, She's Tyson. Yes. Nobody else in the women's division knocks out people like Cyborg does. You know, she submits nobody. She knocks out everyone. You know, people was like, oh, well, there's Ronda Rousey and Holly Rome. They don't knock out people like Cyborg does. I did some stats and it was like, the, Cyborg's career, she has more knockouts than Ronda, Holly, and Misha combined. And it's like, that's what people want to see. And if she could fight at 145, carry the strap there. Eventually, there's going to be a woman at 145 that's going to compete. It might not be in the near future, but you got somebody will eventually emerge. Holly Holm but, can compete at 145. Holly Holm today said that she's willing to fight Cyborg at 140. Correct. Which I, is... And if there's a title, I, I think Holly could be someone who can capture and be the first woman to capture a title in two different weight classes. Right. So, the, so, the, the, so to say that you know, there's not enough depth in the division for the UFC to have a women's featherweight division is silly. You have a woman who can draw who has a ton of intrigue, and who's basically just being hidden on Fight Pass and Invicta because nobody really watches that. You can expose her to a mainstream audience. For the last two and a half years, we have been talking about Cyborg fighting Ronda Rousey, and nobody's really had the opportunity to see her fight. She was like one of the most talked about people coming out of UFC 198 because we finally got a chance to see her. Like The mainstream of America finally got a chance to watch her. But now if she's a, a complete part of the UFC as their champion, and you get to, and you know, Parade her around the country and go back to Brazil, dude. Why wouldn't you do this? Open up the damn division. You know, I mean, shit. There's not that many bantamweights. If you look at the bantamweight rankings, there's like the top ten mm-hmm. or the top fifteen. There's like four other girls. You can find some girls are going to move up to one forty-five. Definitely, it's be not that hard. Much more comfortable for a lot of women. And there's a couple fighters in one thirty-five that I think will be more comfortable at one forty-five. Agreed. I mean, maybe they don't want to fight f- Cyborg. Maybe that'll scare them from going up to featherweight. But I just, I just feel like you've got to do it for the betterment of the sport. And if the UFC just, if you, if you did it for the flyweight, you did it for the women's bantamweight division, you did it for the women's strawweight division. I mean, every division has its time when there's one dominant champion and the rest of the division is just trash. Anderson Silva ran over the middleweight division for years. And people never thought there was going to be competition. And now it's one of the most competitive divisions out there with Jacare, Weidman, uh, Rockhold being the champ, Bisping, which we'll talk about later, uh, <laughs> Yoel Romero. I mean, now the division is competitive again. There's always a time where a division is like, oh, man, this division sucks. You know, and then it changes. So why not have the women's featherweight division now before you find another woman who's going to compete with Cyborg and Victor and nobody's going to get to see it? Exactly. Um, Dana's a smart guy. That's... You know, say what you want about Dana, but he's smart. He knows what makes money. 
and he does stuff timely in a timely manner. So he doesn't like sit on stuff too long. Everything he pulls the trigger on, it happens when it's supposed to happen. And he has to be seeing this and say, you know what, Cyborg is a star. Yeah. And if this Ronda fight is ever going to happen, ever, 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 then we have to make her a star on this level to get maximum just earning potential out of it. Yeah. So give her a belt. 145. And if you believe Ronda can win the belt in November, you set up for next year. Because once again, you don't know how long you're going to have Ronda anyway. So you've now seen the sport, the kind of life after Ronda. Who cares? You know, super fight at 140. Champion versus champion. Get the money. Just do it. (laughs) Just stop playing. Just do it. We need Cyborg. I mean, you're not doing yourself any favors by keeping her on Invicta at this point. You know, like Invicta's good enough for like Tanya Evinger and those girls to fight there. Um, You know, it's good for Angela Hill, you know, to cut her teeth before she comes back to the UFC. But Cyborg, she's a major league player. She doesn't belong in any minor leagues. And I I don't want to discredit Invicta, but let's just be honest. The UFC is the major leagues. That's where everybody wants to be. Definitely. And, And Cyborg deserves to be in the UFC. And she deserves to be a champion there. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm, I'm excited about it. But, that was pretty you know, much UFC 198 in a nutshell, Ben. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about 199, which is coming up. And it's, what, two weeks away? And a major shakeup happened already? Yeah, we lost, we lost our main event. <laughs> well, we lost half of our main event. Chris Weidman's hurt. Surprise, which, surprise. Yeah, I was going to say, which seems like it's always the case. So now we get Michael Bisping. That's... Um, look, I considered going to 199. Definitely not going now. Oh, Have fun. What? <laughs> well, I'll be there in LA, but wh- why? I, I don't know. I think the Bisping Rockhold trash talk is even more intriguing than Rockhold Wyman was. Yeah, but I could watch the trash talk at home on my TV. That's where I see it anyway. The and fight's the, not going to be competitive. No, no. Rockhold You've already is seen this. Crush it. Yeah, we've already seen this. Like, Rocco Guillotine choked him the first time they fought. So why, why would that not happen again? You can say Bisping's improved all you want. But a healthy Rocco is, again, I talk about the fluidity of his striking. and He's going to do what he wants to Michael Bisping. That fight is not competitive. Uh, no, I mean, once again, I want to see, you know, Faber versus Cruz. It's not a competitive fight. I just want to – I like seeing people who genuinely don't like each other punch each other in the face. Well, yeah, that's always fun. But yeah, even still, you know, Faber and Cruz, Faber's past his prime, and Faber's best years are behind him. Um, but he's always kept it pretty close with, with Dominic Cruz in fights. There's, there's a little more intrigue in that fight, even though I think that Cruz might be going for a, gunning for a knockout this fight, and then maybe it's TJ Dillashaw again. But there's, there's like, there's By the no way, we'll intrigue. talk about that. What? They have to stop protecting. These old guys from the young guys in the division. <laughs> I am so tired of this shit. Like, <laughs> Aljamain Sterling now. is number four. He yes. can't get off of the fight pass main card. Like, oh, yeah. he keeps headlining fight pass. They won't give him anyone higher than him. They keep giving him number eight in the division, number 10 in the division. He's ranked number four. I know. It, it, you know, the funny thing about it is because next week's that fight night card, and both Almeida and Garb rank, uh, rank lower than him. Yeah, the same and they're headlining. It's like, what? And then they're like, okay, well, we'll let you come to open workouts and do interviews and all this stuff. Like, that's not enough. No, I mean... No one's going to see his fight. 
they 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 put together a nice little video package for Aljamain on Fight Pass, and you know he'll be in town next week. Um, and I texted him the other day too. But uh, you know we'll get his take on this because we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. By you know we still got to talk about one ninety nine. But come on, man, I'm tired of that shit. Like yeah, if this Garbrandt Almeida fight's not a number one contender fight, I don't know what is. Like <laughs> get. Like, what are you? What, I know what they're worried about. They're worried about one of these young kids going to kick the face off of one of their old established fighters. But yeah, WEC I mean, was a long time ago. Like, let's let's see what these young kids have. They they kind of looked at it as one ninety nine. Um, they wanted to put together a marketable fight, and Cruz and Faber is a rivalry that's very marketable. I, I understand the logic here. When Garbrandt and Almeida got signed, Almeida got signed. I wasn't. I was a little surprised that they put two rising prospects headlining a car, a fight night card against each other, and in Vegas at that, we don't ever get fight night cards out here. Um, I was surprised by that. I, I kind of. I was trying to figure out where does Al Jermaine fit, fit in this mix because also on this card is the former bantamweight champion Hennon Burrell fighting Jeremy Stevens in his featherweight debut. So it's like. Aljo's kind of getting lost in the shuffle right now, but I figure if he if he looks impressive, which I think because he wanted Brian Caraway for a long time, if he beats his ass like I expect him to, mm-hmm. he'll be thrust in that conversation. Um, but Garbrandt is super marketable. Almeida's a savage. That's going to be a hell of a fight. And I don't, mind, I don't necessarily mind that Aljo's on the outside of that fight right now. It's not that big of a deal to me yet. No, but okay, if you don't want to give him one of the young prospects, cool. Because you don't, I mean, eventually they all have to fight each other. And I'm right. of the opinion that sooner or later, all three are going to be champions. I don't, I don't know how or what <laughs> order, but each one of them are going to hold a belt at one time or another. And it's great for the future of this division. But it's time for the change in the guard. Like, if Sterling is number four, do you not think that they should give him number three or number two? Like, he has to move up sooner or later. Well, you know, the problem is... Give the him UFC- TJ. The UFC rankings are weird because, you know, like, you know, full disclosure, I'm part of the UFC rankings committee. And I see some of the guys on the UFC rankings committee, I'm like, who the hell are these guys? Um, and when I see Aljo as high as four, because he hasn't fought top five competition, we're just going off of the eye test. It's similar to a Gennady Golovkin type of thing because he just, he just wins and he's impressive in doing it. And we got to give him, you know, better competition. Um, you know, when you look at it, Aljo, because Asensio is not fighting Dillashaw at 200. Almeida's fighting uh, <clears throat> Garbrandt. And then it's like, well, who else could Aljo fight? You know, is Brian Caraway at number eight? Uh, Mitsugaki, nobody wants to see that shit. No. John Dodson just arrived at the Bantamweight division. Which would have been a great matchup, though. Which is, it might have been a little bit too soon because, you know, Dodson's just getting into the weight. And this is a fight that I could see probably next for Aljamain Sterling. But, you know... There's nobody else for him to fight. So I don't mind him fighting Brian Caraway, beating up on Misha Tate's boyfriend. I don't, I don't mind this. Like, I get it's, there's a big, there's, there's like a clusterfuck of fights in the Bantamweight division that they need to sift through, and then Aljamain will get put in the right spot. I think he'll be fine. But if this happens again, like if he wins this fight and he doesn't get Garbrandt or uh, Almeida, or he, if, or he doesn't get Michael McDonald, who just got booked for, with John Lineker, um, I mean, he's got to get one of these top names next. He has to. Somebody. Like, I, listen, I'm, I'm about to witness Tyron Woodley in a, a championship fight after a year and a half of inactivity. Well, yeah. I mean, nobody's excited about Woodley and Lawler. Um, announced for 2-1-1 as a headliner. It's like, 
I guess it's like Woodley's um, damn near number four in that division. Like it, that's a generous number four in my rankings. And he's been on the show. Great guy, you know, great person. But you can't sit on the show for a year and a half and then get a title fight. But it's yet, Aljamain yeah. can't get a guy even in the top five with him. Woodley's in a, he was in a tough spot because he was supposed to get a title shot after beating Carlos Condit, and then he got passed over, and then he got passed over, and he got told to wait. Then he was supposed to fight Johnny Hendricks, and then you know then that fell through because Johnny couldn't make weight. And then, now it's just like, all right, well, you've been kind of sitting around. All right, we'll give you Robbie Lawler because Damian Maia just fought, and now he's due for a title shot. Roy McDonald, Stephen Thompson, the winner, that's going to get a title shot. We don't know when Carlos Condit's coming back. Um, or if he's coming back. Right. Which would be crazy if he doesn't, because, I mean, he had a hell of a fight with Robbie Lawler. I'm of the mind state that Tyron Woodley loses to Robbie Lawler, and then Carlos Condit goes to get his victory back against Tyron Woodley next. I just figured that's where the, chip, the chips fell where Tyron and Robbie were going to fight. That's, yeah. just, that's just how it happened. I just don't feel like, with everybody else being booked and Robbie needed a title fight, they were looking around like, well, Carlos, you want to fight? Not ready yet. All right, fine. Tyron Woodley, you get the title fight. It is what it is. You know, it's, I'm not excited about it. It could be a better fight than we expect, but it, I, I sincerely doubt that Tyron can give Robbie Lawler any real trouble. No, I definitely agree. Um, so we're supposed to be talking about 199. We covered the main two fights. The entire card is pretty good, though. Um, no, that's a good card. Top to bottom. It's, it's always fun to be in L.A. I still can't believe you're not going. It's L.A. Yeah. Man, I don't. It's you know we've been busy in Vegas, and this is just a card. Even though they got Max Holloway, Ricardo Lamas, Dan Henderson, Hector Lombard, I'm right now. I'm like, I don't care, and it's it's a very weird way to say it. It's like me watching a fight at home on TV versus me being there. There's really no difference right now. There's some fights that I have like all right. You know, for those that don't know, I had some family issues. I, I wasn't on the show last week. I had a family university with my wife. And I had to leave the American fight early. At first, I thought I was going to have FOMO because I'm like, oh, man, I'm missing this big fight. And, you know, obviously, I'm in the hospital with my wife making sure she's okay. And then I went home and I was like, eh. Like, I didn't <laughs> care anymore. You know, I, I didn't feel like I really missed anything. Even though it was probably one of the knockouts of the year, it's just one of those times where I was like, all right, I've been to – Man, I've been to several hundred, a few hundred fights, you know, that I can think of. Um, and I can miss one. Like 199, me going to L.A., unless there was, you know, an extra check attached to it or some extenuating circumstances where, like, Yahoo or Sheridog needed me to go out there. I'm just, I'm not moved. I'm like, I'm, I can watch this one from home. And, you know, being with Yahoo, we get the code so we can watch it for free. So I'm just, you know, I'm just going to watch it at home. And, and like people like you don't want to go to a bar? No, not really. I like doing shit in the comfort of my own home. Old and man this, game right there. Old man game. Yeah, man. If I was still drinking, I had me a little, you know, a glass of something, and you know, I order a pizza and I chill out. Your and bar just in your house, by the way, is legit. Oh, my so, bar in my house is ignorant. It's so, sad that I'm not drinking. Yeah, I'm not saying you not drinking is. I applaud that, by the way, because your bar is no joke. Yo, when I when I do drink, I have a three hundred eighty dollar, eight hundred dollar bottle of Hennessy, and I don't really drink Hennessy, but when I do drink again. And I'm off of this little alcoholic exile. I'm gonna pop that open proudly. But yeah, my, my bar is serious. People don't like people don't know my bar is really. Serious. I'm a collector of liquor. Yeah, so I mean, you don't have to go to a bar if you don't want to. Nah. Um, yeah, I mean, just being in LA, it's cool. I, I like going to the beach randomly. Um, <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do is just going right from the beach. So I'll go. I'll write my articles from the beach, catch a fight. I'm not going out there for like all the fight week stuff. 
but you know, watch the fight in person, chill. And then that Wednesday, I had I had to Cleveland for the NBA Finals. So it's just like <laughs> you just automatically eliminated Toronto. Oh, they're out of here. Um, my only thing is, and I'm assuming Golden State, you know, beats Oklahoma City. So I had to plan this past week. I had to sit down uh, with Robert Latow at at BSO, and we had to make our plans for the finals. And we had to go through the media hotels and all this stuff. And I was like, you know what? Just we're gonna plan it like it's Golden State, Cleveland, and that's how. And then OKC won the first game, and I was just like, damn. It's like they're really going to mess up our plans. Because if not, I'd have to miss 199. Because Cleveland would have home field event or home court advantage over OKC. Right. And I'd have to go to Cleveland for one and two. And I was just like, man, it's going to mess up my scheduling. And then last night, I was like, okay, Golden State's good. They're fine. Back to normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Sadly, I don't You're get fine. to go to you know San Fran this year. Because <laughs> uh, last year, Rob was stuck in Cleveland. And he's like, I'm not doing that shit again. Yeah, it's pretty abysmal out there. Yeah, well, I mean, you never know. Maybe I see Stipe. Right. Go to batting practice with him. If anyone listens to the podcast from Cleveland, please tweet me what the hell there is to do in Cleveland. Because I have, like, the off day in between games, and I need something. And, yeah. Uh, I don't Ohio's, know. Ohio. <laughs> Ohio's Ohio. I've been there a few times to shoot some things. And, yeah, good luck. Have fun. Yeah, I mean, I go to New York right after that. That's going to be the highlight of my trip. Yeah, so I mean, we can talk about 199 a little bit more um, in the coming weeks. Um, is, I don't think there's anything else MMA related. I think we can move on to wrestling now. Yes, now it's uh, WWE time. I'm. It's so weird that there's a pay per view this weekend. Like, I, I don't feel like it is. And Extreme Rules. I don't see anything extreme. One, one, we're in the PG era. So how extreme can it get? No, we're not. We're in the new era. Oh, excuse me. Get the it new right. Era. But I'm, yeah, but they wiped Samoa Joe's blood off. Um, That's what Stephen Shane keeps saying. It's the, it's the new era. Right. I don't see anything different from the last era. Unless era, we're, right? yeah, unless we're gonna get like some Brock Lesnar blading type shit, like when him and Undertaker fought. I, I don't, I don't know what's gonna happen. No one else on the roster right now has that cred. Um, they already, you know, kind of put d- dates on returning injured stars for after this pay per view. So I'm, I'm more excited to see, you know, Cena's return on Memorial Day weekend. I'm more excited to see Rollins return the week after that. Like, the pay-per-view to me is just, it's like, meh, whatever. Um, I have to say, like, I've enjoyed the build for two things heading into Extreme Rules. I've actually legitimately enjoyed, even though it's confusing, enjoyed the build for AJ Styles' Roman Reigns. Yes. I feel like they've done an excellent job with that. However, I thought it was a little weird that they had AJ doing some heelish things this past uh, Monday on Raw, um, which we can talk about Raw in a second. But I'm, I'm excited about that because I feel like they could stretch this for another pay-per-view. And I'm so glad that AJ Styles is getting the run that he's getting um, in the WWE. So I'm excited about that. I'm not excited about Dean Ambrose, Chris Jericho, any iota whatsoever. I'm not excited for Chris Jericho. We know where I stand on old man Jericho and his dad belly. And now his Kofi Kingston chest. Yeah, so I'm I'm not intrigued by that, but I I am what the intrigued hell is by an asylum match, by the way. Like, dude, so I, you don't even have to escape the cage. It's no, just you, a pinfall. You could beat yeah. him with a mop. You saw the mop, right? Yeah, was there a, was a mop up there. Um, but I don't I don't know what purpose the cage serves. This it's this this feud has no purpose. All um, that shit is found underneath the ring, by the way. The the match that I am looking forward to, and I've, I feel like it's been carried by one man, is the IC title match. Kevin Owens. 
again, the best performer on the roster. Yes. Like His on the commentary mic, is incredible. Listen, there was there was like in in the match, we, we can talk about Raw, but in this buildup, he has basically been the one that stitched together this entire feud. He'll feud with Miz on commentary. He'll talk crap, you know, obviously to Sammy. Like there's so like he calls himself a victim. Kevin Owens is now I feel like he's not gonna win this IC title match because he's above it now. Like he needs to be in the running for the heavyweight title. Like he needs to be the world champ at this point. Do you think he gets, you know, the run as world champ sometime this year? That's a good question. A lot um, of uh, I think Marcus last week said, you know, he, he felt that Kevin is going to be champion before the end of the year. And I'm of the opinion Super Cena's gonna come take that strap. Because they can't just keep you know, plummeting in the ratings. And yeah. Cena brings eyes as champion. He's the true face of the company. Um, so I think he takes it off Roman Reigns probably around SummerSlam. And at that point, who can feud with Cena? Who's more believable than Owens? And we've seen that feud before. That's and true. it was a great feud for a lesser title. It'd be great for the main title. And Owens damn near could beat him with some credibility. I would say that that's all true if Seth Rollins weren't coming back. I I don't know how Seth Rollins factors into any of this. I don't know how he fits in. It's so weird. Like, all the guys coming back from injury, like Bray, um, outside of Cena, because once again, I think they need that mainstream push. The guys, you know, just been tabbed for the ESPYs right. to host that. Like, you put the belt on that guy. And I miss Cena. So, you, uh, yo, you let him break the record. You know, you, you, you kind of miss Cena, like you missed the U.S. title. Like, last night I was watching Trainwreck, and if you haven't seen Trainwreck, like, Cena is absolutely hilarious in that movie for the short time he's in there with Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. But dude is a star, man, and it's like you kind of miss him because he's been putting in his best work in his later years of his life. I've been watching WWE pay-per-views in sequence. I've said this on the show from, like, 1997, and now I'm up to 2008. And I'm up to when Cena, he lost to Batista at SummerSlam. This is, a, this is a time I completely forgot about, mind you. Anything between like 90, uh, 2006 and 2009, I forgot. I forgot what happened. <laughs> but um, Cena comes back at Survivor Series. And like every time he comes back, and I've realized it, it's like a big deal. Like it's a huge deal when he comes back. And they did create packages around them. So, like, him coming back this time, though, like, I'm, like, legit excited about it. I'm like, yo, we kind of need John Cena. Even though it's been great to see some of the, the mid-level talent get elevated a bit, yeah, we kind of need the guy. Like, Kalisto holding the U.S. title has been ridiculous and pointless, and nobody cares about it. No, not at all. And uh, I'm glad they're about to take the strap off of him. Jesus, thank God. Let's talk about Raw real quick. This was the go-home show for the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Um, we had AJ... And hit the the club. I think, come on, guys. Can we can we not call it the club? First of all, club. Yo, there there was a really good article. I wish I knew what like who wrote it. It was picked up by um, uh, Wrestle Zone, but you know they kind of source and cite a bunch of other places. Uh, I think they picked up one of your pieces once, and so they're mm. like reroute people to the other sites. And mm. someone wrote that the Bullet Club is the best faction in in wrestling history, pro wrestling history. And mm-hmm. they made a pretty good point about it because they're like, right now they're on the top of the three major promotions at the same time. That is true. They, I, they just headlined true. in the last month the three major promotions. You're right about that. But the club in the WWE is not the Bullet Club. I don't know what this is. Well, they don't have name. It's the club. I mean, until Finn okay. gets up there. No, no, no. Until I see a, a t-shirt 
they're just waiting to turn on AJ. That's all this is to me. <laughs> until you get merch? It's yeah. not real until you get merch. It's not real until you get merch. That's just, just, just my, my train of thought. It's not real until you get merch. But we've had this feud going on. They've done this great build. We had the tag match. Um, Gallows and Anderson lost clean to the Usos. Uh, AJ did the Styles class on the chair, which I kind of thought, well, hey, why don't you guys save that for the pay-per-view? But they didn't. Um, oh, because conven- he'd have to win after that. <laughs> well, yeah, conventional wisdom says if you come out on top in the go-home show, you're going to lose at the pay-per-view. Um, but we'll see. It's an Extreme Rules match. And there's no DQs. So going off of that feud, and, it's, and we'll just go right into a prediction, is there any chance that AJ Styles beats Roman Reigns at this pay-per-view? No. No, no, <laughs> no chance. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to watch the match, and AJ is going to have like three near falls where I think he's going to win. And I know in the back of my head there's no way the guy wins the title. No. And he doesn't need to. Not right now. Some, somehow he's coming out very strong in this scenario. Roman Reigns just can't win. Like, no. it's just like, okay, Roman, you're going to dominate for all purposes, you know, record-wise, this feud, but you're going to look very small compared to this other guy. Yep. That's pretty much the gist of it. So, I mean, AJ from here, I just don't know where he goes after this. It, it really doesn't matter. I mean, the guy now is an established character. They did a great job as far as bringing him in from New Japan and establishing him immediately. Yep. So one thing they definitely got right. Yeah, as a main guy. They didn't let him just middle around. They didn't even put the, like, the lesser strap on him. No, we're going to make sure you guys know how great this guy is and give him that immediate push. And then now he can go back. And if he wants the, you know, if he fused with Rusev, like, say Rusev wins the U.S. title. AJ Hopefully. can go back and feud with Rusev, and that'd be a great feud. And that's AJ true. is now established, and it brings credibility to that belt again. That's, that's very true. So that's, so we, that's where we stand. We, neither of us think that AJ Styles has any chance of beating Roman Reigns this week in no. Extreme Rules. Right. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, Baron Corbin. Nobody no cares. Match. Why is this <laughs> happening? Like, what? Somebody tell me why this is happening. Baron Corbin beat – no, wait. Dolph Ziggler beat Baron Corbin, and Baron Corbin got his payback like two weeks later. Is there any need for a no-DQ match? I don't understand this. This is stupid. I mean, you try to establish Corbin as the big bad wolf, mm-hmm. as the heel character. Um, I guess they're doing better by him than they're doing by Apollo Crews. Oh, who's completely vanished from WWE television. Well, he's Except on Superstars. He was- he's on Hulu. Well, he was in the, the, um, the Golden Corral ad. Like, yo, yo, why? I was like, oh my god, I don't know if this is get any more like just back ass country than putting him in a Golden Corral ad. Like, like Golden Corral, like Apollo Crews doesn't eat there. Look at him, like, he doesn't eat. There. Have you ever ate a Golden Corral? I, I've eaten there once, I was at it's, football camp. Okay, so like Golden Corral, if you don't have like Vegas has buffets, it's like the shittiest buffet ever. But yeah. in other places, you know, it works. But it's like Golden Corral is like, I went, my grandmother wanted to go. Well, my wife's grandmother wanted to go for her birthday. She was like, let's go and go and corral. And she got there. And within minutes, she was like, I hate this place. And I was like, exactly. Why are we, fuck are we here? So. Golden Corral, Cracker Barrel, kind of one in the same. Yeah, I give up. None of those places. But Apollo Crews just, yeah, completely vanished from television. He's in a Golden Corral ad. I guess it could be worse. He could have been one of the guys that were cut recently. But, you know, I, I guess, I think they feel like they're waiting. Like, between him. Sasha. And Sasha, I feel like they're waiting 
to put them in the proper program. Which is weird because you have three hours of Raw and you can't figure this shit out. Oh, but, but the Golden Truth has had one hell of a run on Raw. Mm. All right, we can talk about that. <laughs> they get time. Yo. <laughs> so somebody in the upper brass said, you know what's a good idea? Let's put together a video package of Golden Truth and you know, R-Truth and, and Goldust interactions for the past Five, how, months. But five months yeah, and, then, and then have them debut now for, i'm glad that they lost on raw i'm glad that they lost to fandango and, and tyler breeze which i think tyler breeze and fandango could be a legit tag team in nxt not on raw but anyway but why are we paying so much attention to these guys we know this this thing is not going anywhere i yo i don't know how our truth gets television time because he man if you've if, like i've heard that he's people love him backstage like he's a good company man so, whatever. I guess this is this is why they're not, they're not wrestling at the pay per view. I don't want to talk about them anymore because I'm sure we're going to see them again in the next couple. They're probably going to team with the uh, what are they called the Shining Stars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was horrible too. Like they've set back my Puerto Rican culture quite a ways. And you know what? Epico and Primo can wrestle, but that gimmick is terrible. I just don't understand it. One, it just makes me want to go back to Puerto Rico. I don't get to go until like December. Now I'm kind of upset. I just want some hibiscus. Like hibiscus tea, because all they do is carry around hibiscus. And yo, I, it, they had the one where they eat in all the food, and I was like, yo, that's like so bomb. He had platanos. Nice one had like arroz con habichuela. I was like, oh, it just makes me hungry. Yeah, like, it looked delicious, but this is wrestling we're talking about here. Yeah, Not- like I just completely forget that it's a wrestling commercial half the time. Yeah. Like I so- think it's part of the normal commercials. I was just like, oh shit. Like it makes me want to go to Puerto Rico ridiculous anyway they're not wrestling so who cares uh well, let's talk what else is on extreme rules we got uh, charlotte Apple. oh charlotte and natalia natalia um they headline raw i guess that was a big deal well they were in charlotte north carolina so it makes sense yeah um, and uh stephanie slap okay before we get into this before we get deeper into this what the hell is this shane and stephanie program that we have going on right now it is so weird i mean it has to lead towards brand split right no i don't know what it leads towards like we haven't seen triple h since wrestlemania and stephanie but yeah he does house shows like he's traveling and wrestling so stephanie's been on her best behavior with shane and there's just like weird energy like they're not like brother and sister but they're like ex-boyfriend and ex-girlfriend the way they like talk to each other and interact um and then uh, you know stephanie trying to hijack the shane O'Mac chant like everything about them is strange so we go, like going into how this ended Raw this week, and Stephanie slaps Ric Flair because Shane wouldn't do it. Um, I was just like, "This is weird," and I don't like. I'm glad Charlotte and Natalya got the headline uh, Raw, and I feel like they're gonna have like a 15 minute match at Extreme Rules, which will be great, and it's a submission match because Natalya can wrestle. I mean, right? That's one thing she can do. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna. I mean, she's gonna put on a wrestling boots, and they're gonna go to work, and hopefully, they put on a great program. I just found, found it all weird. Um, again, no chance. I, I don't see Natalia beating Charlotte. No chance. I think you got to continue to be char- build Charlotte as a monster heel with a championship, so Shasha can come and take it. Yeah, I agree. Um, oh, I don't know. I, I don't think. I don't think this is their last time. I think it's kind of like a three pay per view setup. So it wouldn't surprise me if Ric Flair found his way like down to the ring, and cost Charlotte the match and Natalia became champion until money in the bank. Mm, Cause you have to separate Charlotte from Rick 
and I think Rick costing Charlotte the belt by just coming down to the ring is the way you separate Rick from Charlotte. And Charlotte's like, you made me lose. I don't need you. And then she beats Natalia and regains the belt at Money in the Bank. I kind of think that Charlotte and Rick is a good parent. I think I think Rick, Rick is make- creepy, and I can't look at Rick the same now after watching Camp WWE. Well, yeah, that's like the Rick, yeah, that's the real Rick Flair. But you know, I feel like Charlotte brings and Rick together makes them more despicable. And Charlotte without Rick on her, left her own devices is doesn't have the same kind of heat. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, let's let's keep let's move along. So Kalisto and Rusev, I don't care. Uh, Rusev should win this match. And he probably won't. I think he will. I hope. Uh, it's time for Kalisto to go. They they can't have the title be, you know, the, the pre-show title forever. And yeah. Rusev was one hell of a champion. True indeed. But, and we always need more Lana. We, we could. I mean, everything that they did with Rusev after him losing the title was stupid. Everything, like, they need to get this man back to a top tier in a you know US IC champion level like he needs to be there feuding with guys because he's good and he's fun to watch oh definitely um, Kalisto not so much he's terrible on commentary he's a terrible talker he can wrestle but you know the little guy gimmick is it's already old no nah, it's definitely worn thin so that's a match uh, we obviously don't care about Ambrose because Jericho the only other one we have uh before we kind of dive into the main event is New Day versus the Vaude Villains all right, so the time machine thing from this week on Raw. Hilarious. <laughs> it was funny, but if you don't, if you're at home and you're watching it with the special effects, it makes sense. Like Kofi Kingston coming out of the time machine doing his own 2008 Kofi Kingston was great. But if you're watching it in the arena and you don't get those those effects, it probably didn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, like Derrier Squares. Like it was like, all right, I get it, but like the crowd, you could tell the crowd just wasn't really getting it. But it was fun for us to watch at home. But New Day wins. I think New Day wins this match. I don't think the Vault Villains are ready to take the strap off him yet. You know, with Big Cass being, you know, being having to lead him and Enzo until Enzo comes back. I um, feel like Enzo comes back sooner than later too. Which is well, if he can pass those concussion tests, yeah. But uh, we'll see. Um, I, I, but I think New Day wins this match against the Vault Villains. I, I thought I thought it was weird because the Vault Villains jumped in at the end of the time machine, you know, uh, spot and beat up three guys by themselves. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll the, see. The numbers event has been absolutely nothing. Like the Vaude Villains just ran in. Two of them, Biggie, Xavier Woods, Kobe Kingston, got ran over by two guys. Weird. But, but the Vaude Villains getting one hell of a push. That's another team they did completely right by. Oh, yeah, they did. They the did. Ascension is just pissed right now. Because Ascension got none of these luxuries. Because they suck. <laughs> I'm just trash. saying. It's <laughs> trash. Um, um, Simon so, Gotch, you know, singing WWE Tag Team Champions is great every yeah. week. Yeah. Um, oh. They're the perfect, the perfect foil for the New Day. And New Day's not losing anytime soon. But, it, you know, I think it's a good feud for them. Yeah, definitely. So we have the IC cha- Champions at the four-way with uh, The Miz, Kevin Owens, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn. This is the match that I really don't know who's going to win. I have no clue. I'm hoping Sami Zayn wins it. Like, because to me, he's the dark horse in the match. And to have him versus Owens, you know, carry throughout the summer and to SummerSlam, to me, one of them has to have the belt, especially if you're building up to a SummerSlam ladder match. Very, very possible. But that's a long way. You can't have a ladder match without a belt. No, I mean, that's true. Um, I just, I kind of find it 
hard to believe that Miz will walk out still the champ, but it's Extreme Rules, which feels like a transitional pay-per-view, which means he could win it. Um, with Money in the Bank around the corner, because that Money in the Bank ladder match should be insane, because you, I think you really will have no idea who wins unless Cena enters it. But, um, you know, well, you I have, think like, Rollins is in it. Between Rollins and Owens, like, these guys could all win this match. So I don't know if Miz loses the title at Extreme Rules. You know, like, I don't, I don't know if that happens because if the next pay-per-view is Money in the Bank, then you got to set up a one-on-one feud for Money in the Bank so the other guys can compete in the Money in the Bank. And I can't necessarily see the Money in the Bank without Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens unless they were facing each other in an intercontinental, intercontinental match at Money in the Bank. I, I don't know how this is going to work. This, this is kind of – this is interesting. I, I really don't know. And I don't care because I think this is going to be a good match. I think Kevin Owens is going to carry the hell out of this thing, though. Oh, definitely. But like you said before, he's carrying the entire feud. Yeah. So it's nothing new, right? <laughs> like This is what we expect from Kevin Owens. He's the best overall wrestler in the company. Yeah, I mean, he's the best talent because the man can talk any talent, wrestler. Correct. Because Cesaro can wrestle his ass off, but he can't talk. You know, he's not, he's not nearly as good. And especially, like, Kevin Owens' ad-libs in the middle of matches, like, yelling, I'm legal. And, like, just some of the things, like, this is how you do it. Like, he's perfect to be the heavyweight champion whenever it happens. When this time comes. And it's going to be hard to keep him a heel much longer. He's getting to the point where he's just over with anybody. He's good. No, definitely. Definitely. Um, and then we have Roman Reigns versus AJ Styles. Well, yeah, we already said, I don't see, I think it's going to be a good match. AJ Styles will not win this title. They'll extend this into the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. They'll, they will fight again. I, I think so, too. And um, I don't know. Cena has to have a feud for Money in the Bank. So maybe he wins it, like you said, and maybe he carries a briefcase. And then that's, you know, the lottery ticket. And then you have Roman Reigns in... Um, and Seth Rollins, you know, start their feud up. Maybe we finally get that triple threat shield match at SummerSlam. Yo, that is so dangerous to bring back Seth Rollins and put him in there with Roman Reigns immediately. Because you talk about him getting booed with AJ Styles. Oh, my God. Putting him, like, Rollins is going to get a ridiculous pop when he's in It's going to be hard to keep him as a heel. Very difficult. I don't know how they do it. No, yeah. Uh, uh. It's going to be rough, but they need to. I mean, Seth is a main event guy. Like, where you can't put him anywhere else. He outshines everyone everywhere else at this point. Well, I mean, there's, there's some few. I mean, if he's a face, there's some fresh new matches for him. You know, as a face, he could fight Kevin Owens. I mean, not not soon, of course, but as a face, he could fight. There's a lot of people he can compete with. He out. Bray Wyatt's going to come back here in a second, too. I don't know where I, the hell Bray fits in. Yeah, I, I don't know. All this is intriguing to me. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I, you know, I'll watch the pay-per-view. I think, I think it'll be better than what we expect. You know, I think because it, it came up so quick and they didn't have much time to think about it, it just kind of whipped together a lot of rematches with extreme rule stipulations. I'm all for it. I'm fine with it. No, definitely. Um, it, three weeks isn't long enough to build a pay-per-view, by the way. So I don't know if they, like, changed this moving forward. Uh, but somehow it, it was just very rushed. Um, the other thing we got to talk about before we get out of here, though, is NXT. Uh, NXT just announced Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, cage match. It's the first in the promotion's history. Do you see Finn getting the belt back and kind of nope. staying in NXT? Or is this nope. Joe's time to shine? This is Joe's reign. Joe is going to beat Finn Balor because he didn't. He beat him at a house show, so now he's got to beat him in front of everybody. 
he's going to beat Finn Balor in a steel cage match to send Finn Balor packing to the WWE, to the to the main roster. This this is Joe's. This is it because because Joe is. And then we 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 then we head into a Joe and Nakamura feud. That's where I feel like this is going. That would be so amazing. But then you have to give Nakamura the belt. <laughs> like, what, whenever Nakamura starts challenging for the main title in NXT, he's going to win it. So yeah, that's Joe's true. time is just going to be – he's going to be on borrowed time if you give Nakamura a feud. Um, no, I, I think Austin Aries gets the next feud with Joe. Mm, you're probably right. That's a good pick. You, um, you're right. I think we got to wait on this Nakamura. Aries Nakamura is now being built up as the next feud, which is crazy. Like, is Aries a heel now then? I don't know. Because Aries is. Yeah, I, I think he's going to get, like, a, a heel push because Nakamura, you know, ignored this tag. If you guys haven't watched NXT from last night, go and watch it. Um, he ignored the tag, and they were partners. So it seems like we might get those two at the next, you know, Dallas TakeOver show, which is a great match. Yeah. Um, and we got to see Aries kind of get his stuff off. Like, we still haven't seen a great Austin Aries match. I know, which is weird. As much as I enjoy Austin Aries, he just hasn't been impressive in NXT yet. No, so, you know, maybe he needs Nakamura. And then him and Joe, if you guys haven't seen him and Joe go at it before, you're missing out. Do, do your Googles and right. hit up YouTube because that's a great feud that can be just reignited again in an instant. And I think that's something where you don't have to rush Nakamura. And I don't know how much longer Nakamura can be on NXT. Right. Because we see that the Hawaii card, it's him versus John Cena. That's not true. That's oh, it's not, not true. true. No, it's not true. Oh. It, 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 a lot of the cards, it's a lot of appearances, but they're, they're not facing each other. As far as from what I've found out, they're not facing each other. Okay. Well, there you go. If he fights, <laughs> you know, if he wrestles an NXT guy, then it's perfectly fine. But if he starts taking, like, these main event, like, or main roster people on... And starts putting on great matches. How do you keep him down? It's going to be hard. So I mean, you know, he, he has we'll to headline see. the Japanese card this year, right? The one I would think so. That Finn kind of got his shine on last year. Yep, I would think so. We'll see. We'll see what happens. NXT's got there's a lot of you know the Global Cruiserweight tournaments coming up. You know, which stretches four months through summer, which is insanely long. But Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah, long. I mean, it's the summer tournaments. G One Super Juniors and New Japan's getting ready to start. Um, Bola with PWG. Summer's the, the season of tournaments, and WWE has basically said that we want to have the biggest tournament. Yo, they're just really trying to crush the indies. Yeah, they are. Tri- they don't tri- care. No, Triple H is like, yo, I have more money than you. I'm going to turn my indie into the biggest indie. Yeah, that's true. So, do we have anything else to talk about this week? Um, no, that was it. You weren't here last week for the Bullet Club talk. Uh, how'd you feel about that? Uh, I, <laughs> Adam Cole. I, hate, I hated the end of that, that show. I hated that they interrupted the Cole Cabana J Lethal uh, match with that. I like Adam Cole in the Bullet Club, but I feel like that the Ring of Honor Global Wars pay per view, they put the Japan guys over way too much. And the Bullet Club is a Japan faction. And for them to dominate at ROH show was kind of, it's kind of silly to me. And the Gorillas of Destiny are horrible, by the way. But, um,. <laughs> But Adam Cole and the Bullet Club makes sense. I feel like I, I kind of feel like they're they're going towards a split here soon with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks against the rest of the Bullet Club with Adam Cole leading it because I can't see Adam Cole playing second fiddle to Kenny Omega for very very long. 
And then they got Adam Page, which is that's fucking stupid, but whatever. Well, I said you for every like great faction, you need the one guy who always gets his ass whooped and well, loses. That, that was Taguchi. No, that was Taguchi. The, the, the you know the little yeah, the the only, yeah. <laughs> but that that was his job. Adam Page is terrible to me. He and was, he's just gonna lose. I, I mean, as far as ROH is concerned. But, you know, I felt like, you know, to have a pay-per-view in Chicago with Cole Cabana, who's from Chicago, wearing CM Punk colors, facing Jay Lethal, they deserved to finish that match. Whatever it was, they needed to finish that match. To interrupt with a, just like some wild super kick party, it kind of undermined the entirety of what that no, card because now we're, gonna, we're seeing the end of Jay Lethal as champion. But and they that's why they did it. Because now it's going to be Adam Cole versus Jay Lethal. You interrupted my moment, blah, blah, blah. Their feud uh-huh. is going to start. And the strap is going to go to Adam Cole as yeah. leader of the Bullet Club. But here's the other problem with that: Jay Lethal is not a face. He's he's, he's with a heel. House, yeah, House of Truth. You know, with Taylor Hendricks and Truth Martini, like that's a heel faction. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you got to go heel versus heel. Well, maybe you do. I just again, I just don't feel like I like I like Adam Cole in the Bullet Club. I just felt like that was a terrible way to end the pay per view. And, 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 my- and it was a pay per view. It wasn't an eye pay per view. It wasn't like a nineteen dollar pay per view. This was a forty nine dollar pay per view with a WCW nineteen ninety eight finish. That shit was whack. <laughs> well, tell them how you really feel. I do. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so that's pretty much it for this week. Next week, like you said, we'll preview um, UFC one ninety nine. Uh, we actually preview the Almeida fight as well because we'll have that and we'll be kind of leading up to that. We'll have all of the pre-fight stuff, um, open workouts. Uh, the fight's actually on Sunday. Yeah, the fight's on Sunday. The open workouts are on Friday, so we won't even be able to do that before. Yeah, wow. So we'll preview that entire fight. Um, we'll recap the boxing matches from this weekend and talk about some of the stuff coming up. Uh, one thing we didn't touch on today, actually, weird enough, was Deontay Wilder. Oh, yeah, his fight not happening because, you know, Russians do drugs. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, he went just like, you know what? Whatever. I, how long has the guy been on on PEDs? Like, if that's what made him get to that point, I think Wilder was going to wash him anyway. And I think it was going to be a tough fight for Wilder. I thought I think Povetkin was going to hurt him, and Wilder was still going to win, but I feel like he was going to get tested. Well, we now don't know why Povetkin probably would have hurt him. Exactly. So, you know, we'll see. Well, I mean, this drama will continue to unfold, you know, and see if Wilder gets his... He should get paid for not having... Even though he's not fighting, somebody needs to pay that man. He's been in training camp. But... Yeah, PBC, you know, they, they take another L. Yep, another L. So, another L. They, they can't get a big fight to save their life at this point. Nope. Um, so, yeah, really, that's, that's all that we have. Thank you guys for listening. I need to go get some Gatorade, some Pedialyte, something. I need to be rehydrated. Uh... <laughs> It's going to be full hangover mode here in a second. Um, thanks, everyone, for the birthday wishes on Twitter. Uh, thanks to Andres for giving me the shout-out on Twitter and on Facebook and uh, everyone else following from there. And it feels nice to be 28. I'm going to have my yeah, grown man. man brunch. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. You know, 30 is just right there in my face. Yeah. It's, it's a scary time. <laughs> scary time for me. Um, until next week, though, we're out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.